0: Hello, this is Kevin Thompson. I'd like to welcome you to the Davis McGrath LLC IP webinar series for October 3rd, 2012. Today's topic is the right of publicity. Uh, The recording and slides will be posted at the address shown on your screen, which is blog.davismcGrath.com forward slash webinars, where you can also sign up for our webinar mailing list. Um, For those of you who need Illinois MCLE credit, uh, if you haven't already done so, please send your name and ARDC number to me. And for those of you viewing the recording, Please uh, let me know uh, how you watched the uh, webinar as well, and when you did so. Um, As an announcement, the next webinar is coming up on November 14th, 2012, from 12 to 12:30, on uh, the topic of photographers and copyright. It's focused on specific issues uh, relating to copyright law that would apply to photographers. So today we're going to go for about 30 minutes and uh, cover just what is the right of publicity, its origins, the basic elements, uh, what happens to your rights after you die, uh, some defenses that people may have to a, uh, a right of publicity claim. We'll uh, we go through the highlights of the Illinois Act and talk about uh, three current uh, cases or um, uh, scenarios uh, that are uh, in the news. So just what is the right of publicity? Well, the laws vary from state to state, but generally um, it is the inherent right of every human being to control the commercial use of his or her identity. And it's a very distinct right from those that we've talked about in prior webinars, such as trademark, copyright, or privacy. Um, And it's also not just for celebrities. Every person has the right to control the commercial use of their identity now uh an ordinary person may not have much in the way of damages uh but the still they least can can bring a claim uh its origins um it, it it's an offshoot of of what we would call the right to privacy the right to, for the individual uh to uh be um uh, alone and and uh, not bothered, and and you know their individual information kept private. And it's an offshoot of that. Uh, the first case to really talk about it is the Halen Laboratories versus Topps chewing gum case, in which it's a case involving uh, the rights of a baseball player. Um, certain players had um, uh, given one company exclusive rights uh, for uh, their images to appear on bubble gum cards, and. Um, Uh, This other company had decided to, uh, you know, uh, induce these uh, players uh, to, you know, have their images appear on on there as well. And um, and it's sort of the the first case to really talk about, you know, this right for a person uh, to be able to control the use of their image on a a particular uh, commercial endorsement and actually use the term right of publicity. Uh, After that, um, there were lots of state laws. There was actually a a big push in the 1970s and 1980s uh, for different states to enact laws. Uh, Illinois did not have a statute uh, until 1999. Um, And then uh, I should mention that there's the famous... um, Supreme Court case. It's the only one to really uh, address the right of publicity head-on, and that's the Zucchini v. Scripps Howard Broadcasting Corporation, in which um, uh, Zucchini was a um, circus performer uh, whose entire act was uh, put on the news. Uh, he was a, a person that would shoot himself out of a cannon, and uh, Zucchini was uh, quite dismayed to see that his entire act, I mean, the actual actual act of shooting him out of the cannon only took 15 seconds of the entire performance, uh, but that 15 seconds was what appeared on the news, and so he sued and, um, and won. It's, um, it's an interesting case, and it's actually uh, led to some of the exemptions uh, that uh, currently uh, exist in the law, and we'll talk about that as well. So the basic elements: um, the plaintiff needs to own an enforceable right in the identity or persona of a human being, and has to prove that uh, the defendant's use is likely to cause damage to the commercial value of that persona. And that's sort of in general uh, the general basic elements. um, And the laws may vary from state to state. As I mentioned before, this is a creature of state law, and. and so uh these are just the, the general basic elements um so when you talk about this person having an identifiable persona that this use must be uh identifiable from the total context of the defendant's use, and such things that the courts will look at is you know whether or not the name was used uh whether or not there was um a meaning given uh to uh to this based on uh, maybe dress. Or, or other things to, to, to show the identity. Uh, look at the context. You know what? What? Why is uh, you know this done here? Um, you know, specific use of images. I mean, if it is the person's exact image, then it's it's clearly their persona. And also, there's uh, lots of cases dealing with voice. Um, there's certain cases where, um, like a person would not, uh, uh, Bette Midler, for example, would would not agree to a uh, uh, commercial endorsement. So the company hired a voice actor to impersonate Bette Midler, and uh, well, Bette Midler won in that case. The <laughs> um, next thing would be uh, characters. Um, you know, it, it, just because somebody uh, portrayed a, a famous character in a movie or a television show um, does not automatically mean that the actor has uh, has a right of publicity. Um it mustn't be more than a mere reminder of the actor who played the role uh but an actor can recover if the role becomes an integral part of the actor's persona and um, the one I uh, case I'd point to is uh George Went uh, who was an actor who appeared in the television series Cheers um, sued when um, uh, the studio license um you know the the name Cheers to Airport bars, and uh, the the company decided to put robots at the end of the bar that impersonated two of the characters, uh, Cliff and Norm. And um, uh, since uh, one of the robots could be clearly identifiable as the Norm character, which Mr. Went played, um, you know, his uh, at the very least, uh, you know, his his case, you know, survived a motion for summary judgment. Um, now, these rights uh, depends, depends on the state law, um, can extend after death, and uh, there's only two states that currently seem to not recognize a post-mortem right, uh, which could be willed or transferred with the estate, and those two states are New York and Wisconsin. Uh, Illinois, for example, its statute allows rights for up to 50 years uh, from the person's death. Um, which leads to uh several questions of conflicts of interest um you know it 's sort of a fact question in what state was a celebrity domiciled at the time of death it 's an important question um, uh, there is um you know with some controversy over whether or not uh um, uh Elvis was um, you know a vegas uh Celebrity, or whether he was a Tennessee celebrity, but since uh, you know Graceland was in Tennessee, uh, Tennessee prevailed, and Tennessee actually has very strong right of publicity rights, I think mainly because of elvis um, and some jurisdictions um, you know will weigh the interests of the states involved and and you know look at you know a, a variety of factors, including um, uh, what was um, you know this particular transaction you know did this one particular transaction occur in a particular state, and therefore that state has has more of a of a right uh you know to uh control its its laws um some other courts will will apply like one state's uh right of publicity statute, but then uh for the rest of law you know will will apply um you know, the, the, their home jurisdiction's laws, but for the purpose of whether or not the person has a has a right of publicity, they'll apply that. And it really, it's a, it's a matter of state by state application of these rules. Um, and I did mention fame. Uh, everyone has a right of publicity. It's not just uh, it's not just a right for uh, celebrities, but uh, the extent of that fame goes to the degree of economic harm suffered. So if you infringe the rights of an individual, uh, who is not a famous celebrity? Uh, you certainly uh, could be liable, and uh, we 'll talk about this when we get to the Illinois statute um, so um, you know the extent of their fame goes to the degree of economic harm suffered uh, There there's certain defenses that, that came up uh, that can come up these are the the first four that uh, are uh, most prevalent. Uh, copyright preemption, uh, statute of limitations, the first sale doctrine, and also uh, First Amendment and parity. We'll talk about each one of these in turn. I should mention that at any point, if somebody has a question, uh, please feel free to do so. Uh, There is a uh, uh, method using the uh, webinar software for you to ask a question. There will also be time at the end for, for questions as well. So copyright preemption, uh, whether or not there's a conflict between the individual's right of publicity and the copyright owner's ability to exploit their copyright. And um, it generally uh, comes down a lot with uh, models and uh, and photographs that are taken of models. And um, a model release is something that a a model will sign uh, when the photographer takes the picture. And uh, or should sign um, for, for if you were representing the copyright owner, um, and that photographers should uh, you know get this release um, uh, because then you know that they would have this bundle of rights um, that they can sell other than just the copyright um, in the image. And um, it should be noted that human identity. Is not copyrightable subject matter. So just because you take a, um, a picture of a person doesn't mean that you own a copyright in that person. All you have is, is a copyright in that photograph, and um, so somebody still could have right of publicity rights. And uh, one of the cases we'll be talking about later um, comes comes out of those uh, controversies. Um, it's um, you know whether or not uh, this right of publicity would 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 you know preempt copyright law for the most part it doesn't uh, statute of limitations uh, it varies from state to state um, you know you could bring a case you could have a case but you brought it too late uh, and you could be barred uh, Illinois in particular allows one year from the date of publication um, first sale doctrine is another one of these defenses uh, like copyright um, the first sale doctrine applies to the physical item as it 's first sold, and the right of publicity does not apply to resale of certain items so um you you know, you may have um, uh, rights uh you know that, that come with um, um, when, when when things are are first made uh like for example a television show or or something like that um, but it it would not apply to the resale or later syndication of that show. So if you're talking about uh, that type of media, but if you're talking about books or or covers um, of books, um, you know, where uh, an image might appear that we might violate somebody's uh, right of publicity, uh, again, you know, it's that physical item and it does not apply to resale. Um, First Amendment and parody. You know, this happens a lot. You know, somebody might have a caricature or uh, other parody of a celebrity. Um, You know, that could be protected by First Amendment. Uh, But this general principle comes out of these cases, which is that um, a uh, depiction of a celebrity that's amounting to a little more than the appropriation of that celebrity's economic value are not protected expression. Um, there's an interesting case that came out of this. I'm going to talk about this one briefly, uh, ETW Corp uh, versus Jera Pub, Inc. Um, ETW, that's um, Tiger Woods, um, and uh, that's his corporation that controls his rights. Um, and this uh, covers uh, this particular painting shown here of uh, Tiger Woods playing golf at Augusta by uh, Rick Rush. He calls it the Masters of Augusta and uh it's not a um like a f- photographic representation of of what happened at augusta actually it's 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 more uh very carefully placed and selected images of tiger woods uh that uh um you know he he believed uh you know had a, uh, you know, more of a First Amendment uh, type of of issue, and uh, the court balanced uh, the free speech rights versus the right of publicity principles, and in this case, um, uh, Tiger Woods lost, and, uh, you know, this uh, uh, particular painting was allowed to proceed to be sold. Now, if you do have a, a violation of the right of publicity, what are your remedies? Well, there are three major ones, uh, injunctions, monetary relief, and attorney's fees. An injunction would be going into court to getting um, uh, you know, so the, the publication stopped. Monetary relief could be costs, could be actual damages. It really depends on the, on the state as to what, it, what actually is allowed. And then attorney's fees, it depends on the state as well. Uh, Illinois statute, um, the right of publicity statute, can be found at seven six five ILCS ten seventy five slash one, and it became effective on January first, nineteen ninety nine. And um, what it does is, it does not affect uh, the co- uh, the common law rights that people might have to right of publicity that affected before that date, uh, but it does preempt, um, you know, any common law rights that you know would have taken place after that date. Um, and it it like the other states, it prohibits the use of identity for commercial purposes without permission, um, and uh, it has a one-year statute of limitations from first publication. Um, it has certain exemptions that, that are that are in place, and, and a lot of these state laws have certain exemptions for for things. Um, it exempts use in media uh so long as the media is not itself an advertisement for goods or services and it specifically exempts uh communicative and suggestive works such as an ordinary television show um an example here might be um you know if you think that uh you know a, a an aired television comedy invades in your right of publicity uh, because you know it's, it's based on someone who, who could be identifiable as you, and everybody's laughing at that particular character, um, you know, but it isn't expressly you, um, it's just identifiable, and it, is, it expressly exempts uh, you know, that particular work uh, from right of publicity concerns. Um, the Illinois statute allows for injunctions, actual damages, uh, profits, and in punitive damages. And so, um, you know, the, the, that, that could add up a lot, especially if it's a, a, a wide uh, ranging work. Or in the alternative, uh, the, the person can elect $1,000 in damages. And uh, I believe the purpose of this particular section is still to allow individuals um, to recover. They can, the individuals who don't have a lot of actual damages profit. Uh, can, you know, get this $1,000 in damages and then still be awarded attorney's fees, costs, and expenses uh, for getting the injunction uh, that, uh, you know, would prohibit further publication. So now we're going to talk about some current cases. Um, Unless anybody has any questions at this point, uh, we'll proceed to talk about them. Um, The first one is a a case that came out of the uh, uh, Hebrew. Um, so sorry, the, the Central District of California. Just this year, uh, the Hebrew University of Jerusalem is the uh, entity that owns uh, the rights uh, of Albert Einstein's estate. Um, when when he died, uh, his scholarly papers and writings were were willed to the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and um, uh, some other. Parts of his estate were were willed to relatives, uh, but you know the, the large uh, you know portion of, of those rights went went there, um, and in this case, uh, General Motors uh, put an ad together for um, their GMC Terrain vehicle, which um, involved a um, a digitally rendered uh, you know composition of. Uh, Albert Einstein's head uh, put onto a model's body, um, and then the model uh, has a tattoo of uh, the famous equation E equals MC squared on his shoulder. So it's identifiably Einstein, uh, but you know, obviously digitally modified, um, and. Um, the University sued uh, General Motors for two two essential counts. one was a violation of einstein 's right of publicity, and uh, the second was on trademark grounds. Um, they uh, hold uh, certain trademarks uh, of uh, that, they, that they relate back to einstein and uh, that they sort of a stretch for them that they tried to claim that einstein 's face was a trademark and um, uh, I should mention that in this case, uh, the court disagreed. Um, but uh, regarding the right of publicity claims, um, well, going through the elements, uh, um, Einstein lived in New Jersey, and New Jersey does recognize a postmortem right of publicity. Um, there's no requirement that Einstein had actually exploited, you know, this right during his own lifetime. Um, you know, just because, um, you know, he did not, you know, see commercial endorsements, you know, during his lifetime, wouldn't, wouldn't bar, uh, you know, a later claim, you know, after after his death um, for violation of that right, and so it would fall to his heirs, uh, you know, t- to bring this post-mortem right of action, um, but there was actually an interesting factual question, because the will that Einstein made, um, you know, granted certain rights such as his publishing rights to the university, uh, but the rest of the estate uh, passed down to certain relatives, including his stepdaughter. And so there's a question of fact as to whether or not, um, you know, because at that point a right of publicity was not envisioned, um, whether or not, uh, you know, he would have wanted his uh, right of publicity to travel with his other intellectual property rights which went to the Hebrew University or whether they would have transferred uh by means of the residual clause of Einstein's will uh to his stepdaughter and um and so the case was remanded for a um, um you know determination of of that particular um, uh you know Grounds, or for further discussion, actually, because it's it's trial court level, um, and denies uh, General Motors' uh, motion for summary judgment on that grounds. Um, you know, so for for further you know inquiry is needed. Um, the other interesting point um, is that uh, the court declined to comment on just how long the term of the right would be. Um, as we've stated before, you know certain states have have different uh, have different terms. Uh, Illinois only allows the right of publicity for 50 years, and uh, you know so if if it was that type of a jurisdiction, um, you know the right of Einstein's estate would have passed by the time this was brought. Um, but um, you know there are other states such as Tennessee, you know which allow a hundred year. Uh, right to to go on, and so, um, you know, a further determination of that particular, uh, you know, right still needs to be made, and so we'll see how this comes out, Uh, I I certainly would imagine uh, that this might motivate uh, General Motors to settle, Uh, but you never know. Uh, our next case um, comes from uh, a long series of disputes that the Marilyn Monroe estate has had with the Milton Green archives. Um, it should, should be noted that uh, Milton Green uh, owns the copyright to certain famous photographs of Marilyn Monroe, uh, in which um, you know she um, you know was photographed during her lifetime. Um, and so they are trying to argue the difference between copyright and the right of publicity, and um, they brought this case in California. Uh, the, the Marilyn Monroe estate was uh, has been very active in um, in advocating for an, a right of publicity that survives post-mortem in California, uh, and uh, they were certainly part of the group that, that you know got the law passed to allow you know these post-mortem rights um, but the state has run into a major problem in that uh, for many 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 years it has argued that it was domiciled in New York for tax reasons. Um, uh, they wanted to avoid uh, certain taxes that you know would have hit the estate upon her death. Uh, California had a rather onerous uh, provision regarding taxes and so uh, for many many years it argued that it was domiciled in New York for tax reasons um, and the important fact is that New York is one of the two states that's not currently recognized a post-mortem right of publicity and um, in this case the California Ninth Circuit held that uh, the estate was a stop from arguing that it had a post-mortem right based on California law because it, for many many years it had you know, taking the position that her domicile was New York, and they they could not uh, just for sheer economic purposes uh, make this argument uh, that um, uh, um, that it was all of a sudden now domiciled in California because they had a lot you know lobbied for this law to be passed in California, where whereas um, you know New York uh, you know does not does not allow that. And so uh, the estate was a stop from from bringing that argument. And uh, that's a recent case. that just came out uh, the end of August, so we'll have to see what comes with that. But that's a Ninth Circuit decision, so I would certainly uh, presume that might be uh, the final word on this, but you never know. They could certainly try to appeal to the Supreme Court. We'll have to see what uh, the Monroe estate decides to do. And then um, the final case I wanted to talk about—it's—it's uh, it's not a real legal dispute per se, uh, but it is uh, you know something that that uh, you know comes up um, is it, an example of of, of how these these rights have uh, morphed over the years, um, and that was a, a digital recreation of Tupac Shakur uh, performed in concert. Um, it was uh, created by the company Digital Domain Media Group, and um, was able to perform uh, in concert with, uh, uh, you know, some of his his former um, crew, uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, and um, uh, the company uh, that owns the rights uh, to um, the Tupac estate is a company called CMG Worldwide. And uh, CMG Worldwide is, is one of the largest uh, companies uh, to own uh, the rights of publicity uh, for, for especially for dead celebrities. Um, you know they, they own a, a large number of of of, um, of um, celebrities' rights. Um, it's they they serve as a management company, uh, and so you know the estates uh, will will often you know authorize CMG Worldwide. Uh, to To act in their behalf and you know negotiate deals, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is one of the, the new types of things. Uh, it was um, talked about as if it was a hologram. This particular representation of Tupac Shakur. Um, it should be noted it not really a hologram. Uh, what it is really is a um, it's a digital projection onto a, a screen or a scrim that the audience can't see. Uh, it's one of the an application of an old magic trick from. Uh, way back um you know in which case um, the the uh the the projection goes onto to the scrim and uh, uh other performers can be behind the scrim and still be seen by the audience and uh you know it looks like you know the the person is is I- interacting with this uh digital representation and um uh interestingly enough uh this was not a uh um a digital um, like compilation of old footage of Tupac Shakur instead it is a um, hundred uh, percent digital um, it's essentially a digital model of tupac Shakur that 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 can be manipulated to perform and uh it is it is not old footage um, it's it's a very interesting application of of this particular technology um you know we've seen uh you know dead celebrities um you know in, interact in, in commercials uh by uh, you know digitally substituting uh what uh, the the person was holding i seem seem to recall that there were um you know some commercials with Fred Astaire and so forth you know he was dancing with the vacuum cleaner um and uh, you know there's been lots of other you know types of product endorsements um that have uh you know appeared essentially by using old footage and uh inserting a a new product into uh into that old footage but this is uh this this technology really opens up uh you know the um you know the rights of a um of of an estate uh, for further commercial exploitation and um you know we'll have to see how this how this turns out uh you know this particular application was done for a series of concerts um you know the, there've been discussions of uh taking this uh you know concert series on the road um and perhaps you know we'll see more celebrities uh be digitally resurrected um you know as this proceeds um and i think that we probably will also see um there is a um uh, sort of a movement uh to uh, you know allow for digital reconstruction of actors um, so we might have a living actor that uh is digitally you know composited uh, into a film and um, uh so you, we we might uh an actor might be scanned and uh you know their digital representation taken and you know enough performance capture um, is is taken such that uh, uh that, that particular actor might be you know reproduced you know completely digitally you wouldn't need an actor you know using some of those um if you've seen you know motion capture used in in you know modern films you know where they they put on a a special suit with these tennis ball like the things that are tracked with lasers to track their movements uh you know these things could be completely uh digitized and so we'll have to see what happens with that um uh I seem to recall some in um um interviews with celebrities, you know, talking about, you know, these particular uh, you know applications and you know we'll have to see how that turns out and um you know whether or not that actually um, actually comes to pass. So um that's sort of the the the, the far ranging uh you know, aspects of uh, the right of publicity and and how they affect uh, us today here in our modern society. Um, So it's a good point to see whether or not anybody has any questions. Um, As a a reminder, uh, the the software allows you to, uh, you know, put in questions, and uh, for those of you watching the recording, uh, you know, you can always email me your question at the address on your screen. We'll pause here. Oh, looks like there is a question. Um, the first question is. Uh... What do you think about right of publicity concerns when um, somebody takes a picture and incorporates that picture into a report for a client? Uh, when the picture includes people in the background, uh, for example, a picture of an office lobby with uh, people, such as non-famous people walking around, uh, being incorporated into the report, um, you know that that certainly can raise um, uh, right of publicity concerns. Um, you know, for the most part uh it's prudent to take um uh the position that every person appearing in the photograph should have their uh you know readibility waived, um you know such that uh more of a controlled set but that 's not always possible especially for um uh uses um you know such as um you know crowd scenes and so forth um and um uh you know it certainly would be be prudent if possible uh but but it certainly is an issue and it's it 's very fact specific so it 's hard to say for sure um you know what the person should do but in your particular hypothetical um you know that um if the persons are are readily identifiable uh you know a prudent approach might be to blur them out or um you know to um you know otherwise make them un- unidentifiable if possible. Uh, the next question is are the courts adapting to new tech such as what you mentioned in the Tupac case? Um I'm not aware of any of these uh new cases um you know being tested in court. Um you know, the two case is, is one where uh you know it was done, you know, with the uh, full authority of the rights holder. Um it was uh you know, a, f- a fully authorized representation of, of Tupac that was you that was was created. Um and um Uh, So, you know, there won't be any legal questions, you know, for that particular, you know, application of it, but it wouldn't be, um, you know, impossible to imagine a case, you know, where um, someone, you know, does this for someone else and, uh, you know, they did not have those rights, and we'll have to see. I mean, I think it would be a fairly straightforward application of the the right of publicity, uh, you know, if that should occur. Are there any further questions? Well, if anybody has questions uh, later on, uh, feel free to email me or call me, and I will certainly uh, be willing to address that. Uh, thank everybody for attending. Um, our next webinar, again as a reminder, is coming up on November 14th on the topic of photo- photographers and copyright. Um, for those of you who need Illinois MCLE credit and you haven't already done so, please provide me with your name and D C number. And again, for those of you watching the recording, uh, please send me your name and D C number and uh, when you viewed the recording. And I'd like to thank everybody for attending. Have a great day.